And so I want to look at our Bibles here this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to look at two verses. And what we did in Ukraine was we had a teen camp. We've never had a teen camp there before. And it's just kind of interesting because right now in my life and my ministry, um, I feel like that, well, you, you ever feel like the person that you're just stepping out and you're just starting the, just generating the action, just stepping out and just taking some steps forward and pioneering some new things? Well, that's what we're doing in Ukraine. We, um, we have four churches in Ukraine and, um, and right now we just have this group of about 25 to 30 teenagers that um, and for some reason, because of COVID and just different things, we don't have a youth leader there. And so um, I was talking to our youth last March when I was in Ukraine, and I just thought, let's do something by faith for the youth this summer in the Ukraine. Now, Ukraine is a country that was under communism for many years, 70 years. And in the early 90s, mid-90s, it broke away from the Soviet Union, and it became its own country. And it's been very difficult um, the infrastructure there has been very hard hit in a lot of ways. So you have people that are somewhat very lost. They look at the West, they look at the United States, they look at life here, and they really, um, they really want to be here. And uh, they just want to leave their country. And so whenever missionaries come to Ukraine, they're always like, what are you guys doing here? You know, we want to leave and go to your country. And we always just tell them that, you know what, we're here because God loves you. And last March, I was talking to a couple of our teenagers there. And have you ever been in a situation where somebody says something to you and it just really stirs your heart? It's just it really motivates you. It just really speaks to your heart that there's a great need. And you're just wondering, God, we've got to do something for these teenagers. And these are just some young people, like 14, 15-year-olds, uh, up to like 19, that are just in this place in their life where they're making very big decisions. And I said, let's just do a summer camp this summer by faith. And we'll just trust that God's going to put the team together. God's going to put the resources that are needed. And God did it. And this one 16-year-old girl, she's the, she's the son of one of our, a daughter of one of our pastors. And she spoke to me in March. She said, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a leader. We don't have a, we don't have a ministry there. And my heart is that I would see my country changed. And when she said that, I was just so, it's really moved me so much that we would do something that teenagers could come to in Ukraine and just make a decision for Christ. Now in Ukraine, it's not like here in the States because here, especially in Texas, you grew up with a real Christian mindset, don't you? Everybody goes to church. Everybody's like, you know, everybody's a Christian here. Um, I don't know if I've ever, it's very, I mean, if I can find someone that's not a believer, that's like, wow, that's amazing. You know, like jackpot. And, um, and so there in Ukraine, it's, um, it's not like that. A lot of people don't even know, don't, they don't have a concept of what the Trinity is, that God's a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, the forgiveness of sins. Um, it's just, you know, and so a lot of teenagers are really lost. And so, we did that. We went there um, this summer, last week, and did a three, four, about a three and a half day conference with these teenagers. And when we got there, um, I met with the team at first, just a handful of us, and we talked about some ideas and activities. 
And I had this feeling like, wow, you know, I don't know what's going to happen here. This could be really great or this could be really not great. You know, this could be something that we're like, okay, we're never going to do this again. <laughs> and so I just thought, Lord, would you bless us for these kids' sake? And these kids came and most of them, most of them are in a place in their life where they're not really walking with God. And so this is really a kind of camp where we're pouring into these kids' lives where, where the world is really making a bid for their soul. And, you know, if you ever want to experience spiritual warfare in your life, start working with kids. Because there's such a, there's such a, there's such a strategy from the enemy of our soul just to um, wreak havoc and, and take our kids and just destroy them before they even get to the age of 18. And we had this camp, and it was just amazing. We just saw the Lord move. We had these games. We, we, um, it was just one of, those, one of those things like, wow, I cannot believe that this was so blessed. And we had such great conversations. You know, with teen camps, when you have a conversation with a teenager and when you build a relationship with a youth, that's so important. And so I would like to do that here maybe next summer be great to see something happen with some youth. And at the end of the camp, um, this one girl came to me, and she was one of, the, one of the organizers. She's 16, and she was just crying. You know, she had these big tears coming out of her eyes, and she was smiling at the same time. And I said, Anya, what, what's, what's going on? Why are you crying? And she said, it's because I can't believe we did this. She goes, this is my dream, that we would see something like this happen, and that we would see kids get together, and that we could worship, that we could study the Word together. And she said, I can't believe that this happened. I can't believe we did it. And she just couldn't stop crying. I think it's just amazing. And it really spoke to my heart. I want to just share about this this morning. Is that when you take a step of faith in your life, things begin to happen. And I want to encourage us with a couple things. Um, and, and I want to build, I want to encourage our faith this morning. You know, we live in an age of terror. We live in an age of fear. We live in, a, in an age where we're just continually getting bad news. Just continually bad news. And it really wears people down, doesn't it? Does that, does that wear you down? Like getting bad news. You turn on the TV, bad news. Uh, you meet together. We got some bad news this morning about a precious couple down there at the cafe. And, they're, and they're, you know, they lost their seven-month-old baby. And it was just so heartbreaking. We live in a world that is just so broken. And, and is just in a place where there's no great news. There's no good things. There's no good thing happening. And I want to look at... Um, I want to look at something where um, um, I just want to look at this aspect of faith. And I'll just start off with this. is never underestimate the impact of a step of faith in your life can do in a person's life or in the community that you live in. Never underestimate that. I think young people really need to know that at the age of 10, 11, 12, that they're in a place in their life where, where God is speaking to you and giving you a, a vision and a sense of potential in your life because God uses young people. I think in the, in the world we live in, it's, it's really kids look at adults as like they are running the world. Adults look at young people and look at young people thinking they're running the world. And I think as a young person, it's easy for us not to see our value, the value of our soul, and the value of our body to God. And one of the things that we talked about in Ukraine was understanding our personal value. That when we understand as a young person the personal value of our soul, 
that we don't sell our body to the highest bidder in the world. We look at our body and we say, this is a, this is a sacred thing. This is a sacred temple. I have value. I have worth. And I think one of the things that we strive to do as a church is to continually pour into people understanding their value, that Jesus loved you so much that he gave his life and poured out not just a drop of blood, but his, all of his blood. It all came out for you and I. That's how much you and I are worth. I think if we could get an understanding of our value and, and how much God loves us and how much God desires to commune with us, and we're going to have communion later on today in the, in, the, in the meeting, but if we could understand what Jesus said when he said, with great desiring, I have desired. He uses that word twice. With great desiring, I have desired to eat this with you. And it's amazing because we think, okay, I got to go look for God today. I got to seek for God in my life. I got to make all this effort for God. I got to open my Bible. I got to start digging and digging. But if we understood that Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, has such great desire to talk to us and to commune with us, we wouldn't even get by. We'd like open our Bible and then the God would be starting to talk to us. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? In Genesis chapter 3. What happened? They hid. What? Who took the first step? God did. Isn't that amazing? You and I blow it. We're having a bad day. We're stuck in our head with, with something looping in our head. We're just getting depressed. We're getting anxious. And then what happens? We think God's far away and that I got to go to the church to hear from God. No, what happens is, is that God starts taking steps to you and I because the grace of God waits to be gracious to us. I like to look at my relationship that way. I want to look at faith from this perspective. Today we think of faith as something I got to produce to please God. It's something that I got to build up for miracles to have in my life. Faith is something that is kind of spoken to us like, hey, I got faith. I can do this. And it's something that we sometimes look like we, we feel that we can lose so easily. But I want to look at I want to look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Will you look at that with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 18. And then I want to look at Abraham real quick in Romans chapter 4. So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. And I have a little jet lag. How many of you have ever flown to Europe or flown overseas? Raise your hand. Okay, and you fly back and then... What's that? Yeah, I know. I'm over there. I'm doing great. And then when I get back here, it's like... I don't know, I need to double my coffee intake or something. Mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 18, and it says this, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Because a Christian, we're, we're called to not look at those things that we can see. The obvious, you know, that's there, yes, I... I acknowledge that that's there in my life where I, that situation is happening. But God calls us to see something that people do not see. For things that are unseen, those things, for the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are, are unseen are eternal. I think as a Christian, what are we called to do? We're called to just look at the things that people don't see. And what are those things? The word, the promises of God. Uh, it's the... It's the plan of God. It's the grace of God. It's the nature and the character of God. It's the word of God. It's, it's what we look at. It's the unseen things. And 
I was just thinking, I was thinking about this young girl's, like her tears, and she was just saying, I can't believe we did this. This was a dream that I had, and it's a dream that we had together, and it happened. 25 teenagers, we had decisions for Christ, but kids, we had three kids tell us that they want to be missionaries. That's amazing. Three, two young girls and one guy told me, I want to be a missionary. I want to serve God. And I said, and I just thinking, you know, that's the unseen thing. When we, when, before we went there, we didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, but when we go there, same thing happened in Iraq. When we went to Iraq, we had no idea what was going to happen. You know, we didn't know if this was going to be, I didn't know even what we were going to do. We just knew we knew some people there. And then every morning that we got up, we took a step, and we, we found ourselves in, like, people's houses that we had never met before. And they never knew us. And here we are in their houses, breaking bread together, talking about Jesus Christ. When we look at these unseen things, these things are the eternal things. And if you skip down a couple of verses to chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, For we walk by faith and not by sight. What's the Christian walk like? We're just walking by faith. We don't, we're not, I mean, we're, we see what we see, but that's not making the decisions in our life. We walk by sight. When we walk by sight, we're living in just the, the limitations of our three-dimensional world. What I can see, what I can hear, what I can understand. And I think a lot of Christianity, that's where they're at. This is a lot of where Christianity is at. Let's do the thing that we can understand. Let's do the thing that we can predict the outcome. Let's do the thing that, that we're going to see... Um, that we're going to just see the greatest response by sight. But you know something? Jesus Christ calls us to walk out of the boat, just like Peter did, and onto the water, out to meet him. Faith is something, our faith is precious. You know, sometimes when you believe God for something, people may mock you, they may look at you and say, you know, you're naive. Or maybe an older Christian would say to you, you know what, I used to think like that. I used to think like that until I grew up and became mature. And then they'd say some cynical statement after that, you know. And that's not, that's not the walk that we have with Christ. Our walk is a walk of faith. And, you know, when we say faith, faith is not something that's just abstract. It's not like this energy that I have for God. Faith is not this emotion that I have. This faith is not, faith first is not feeling. Okay, faith is not feeling. Faith, it can be, sometimes we have a lot of emotions about what we're doing and this is incredible and we have a lot of joy but nine times out of ten we're just getting up we're like michael we're just getting in our our land rover and we're driving up to we're driving to church by faith you know you know like sometimes you know we get out of bed in the morning and we're like okay god i'm, I'm going to take a step and and sometimes when we take all these steps and we're just at this point where we just want to quit throwing the towel at that moment if we stand up and we take one more step god meets us there why? Because God's not calling us what you and I, God's not calling what you and I to do something that we can do. God's calling us to the impossible. And I think walking with God is just so impossible. I think sometimes as a church, we try to define a walk with God as something that's possible, something that you can do it, but it isn't. Here's a couple of things I want to say about faith. Number one, faith releases God to work. Okay, faith releases God to work. When you and I make a decision to take a step of faith, when there's nothing by sight to affirm that, to affirm that, but just the promises of God to affirm, you know what happens? It releases God to work. You know why that God doesn't work so often, I think? Sometimes we tie his hands. It's because we, in the energy of our flesh, are trying to make something happen. We're trying to do it ourselves. 
Um, when you and I take steps of faith in our life, we're making an unseen God seen to a blind world. In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, sight is limited. You know, when we lived in the sight life, we do what Israel did in Psalm 78, verse 41. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Can you imagine limiting the Holy God that created this universe? Can you imagine tying His hands? We do that when we doubt His character, when we say, God, I don't know if I can trust You. Faith is not about what we do. And this is an important point. Faith is not about what we do, ever. It's never about what you do, okay? Somebody say, well, he's a really faithful guy because he did... You know, he does all this stuff. It's never about what we do, ever. It's about the why. Why do we do it? I think sometimes we do things, great things. We do these, we take these great tasks, like adopting a child or raising a child or planting a church or taking a mission trip. And then we're wondering, like, why? Now, why do we do this? Can someone explain to me why we did this? And, and, and the answer really, the, the why is it's love. It's a faith that works by love. You know, I think a mom who gets up morning after morning who's exhausted, maybe a single mom who's exhausted, just maybe very little resources, she gets up every day and she's tired. She wants to quit. She doesn't understand why things have happened to her the way it's happened. And then she looks at her child and she says, "This this is why I do what I do. I think when we... You know, um, the uh, Robert and Deborah starting a Bible study tonight in their in their home, and I think when we start things like that, we can ask ourselves, okay, why are we doing this? And the answer is, is that God loves people, that God loves my neighbors more than I love my neighbors, and that's good news because we don't always love our neighbors. God loves people, and when we look at why we do what we do, why do we want to spend all this money and go overseas, or why do we want to go down the street? And share the gospel with our neighbor because, because God loves them. Why do we want to speak to a teenager? Why do we want to speak and encourage maybe an 11-year-old to think about the possibilities of God in their life? Because God loves that person. God's love. And I think if we don't have love, why do we do Bible school here? Because God loves people. God loves, God wants to communicate that over and over in many different ways and thousands of different um, in thousands of different ways that God communicates to, to us that he loves us and he's never going to forsake us. And I think that if we ever forget the big why of what we do, we get burned out. We get burned out. Moses, Moses was burned out. Mo- Moses was burned out in Exodus chapter 3. And our last day of our conference there that we had with the Ukrainians, we had a huge group of people that showed up. We were just packed out. We didn't realize so many people would come. And last night that I was there, we spoke about um, the call of Moses and how Moses was just, a, uh, he was an old man, old soul, just burnt out. He tried to do everything he thought was good and the way to do it with God, and he just burned out and he, wind up, he wound up killing someone. And here he is on the backside of the desert, 80 years, uh, 40 years later, and he's an older man, he's a Jew, he's living in a country that's not even his own country, he's married, he's got a family. That's not even Jewish. And he has just accepted that his life's not going to really go any farther. And then one day he sees that burning bush and God speaks to him out of that burning bush. Think that what, what does God do to revive us when we are faithless, when we have zero faith? God speaks to us 
and he reveals himself to us. He doesn't give us another job to do. He doesn't give us another thing that we've got to attain because that's our American culture. Come and attain and attain and attain. And that's not what it is. What it is is just knowing God. And when we understand that Galatians 5 verse 6, when we have a faith that works by love, we never burn out. Moses was looking at that burning bush. And what was the, what was the mystery about it? It was that Moses saw the bush and he said, that's me. I'm just dried out old bush with like no potential, no future, nothing, no faith in myself. And I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a just a totally foreign place. And there's a fire that's burning in the bush. And that fire would not burn the bush. You know, the love of God will never burn you up. The love of God will not burn you out. The love of God will motivate you 30 years from now. How do people keep following God? Why don't we ever quit? You know, surreal, why don't we ever quit? You know, like, because it's the love of God inside of us, right? Why does, why does Eduardo put up with us so, so, so long, so many years? Because it's the love of God in Eduardo for us. By the way, they're moving pretty soon. And, and I, would, I have to say that Eduardo and his family have been some of the um, just most faithful people that I've ever worked with. They just show up every time. They just show up. Wherever it is, they just come. Why? Because it's the love of God in us that mo- motivates us. Why do we meet together on Sundays like this in this crazy place, you know, like in this lobby of this, you know. By the way, our building over there, our, our spot's going to be opening up at the end of September for our new chapel. Why do we do this, you know? Why are we here, like, you know, doing what we do? It's because we love each other. Can you believe that? Like, wow, that's amazing, huh? That we love each other and that God puts his love in our, our hearts. Um, faith is something that the devil does not like. When you say yes to God and you start making decisions in your life against your flesh, against your feelings, when you make decisions against opportunities that come at you from the world, then I want to tell you, prepare for impact because faith is something that reveals invisible kingdoms. And I've said this before, but you know, when, you say, when you begin to base your life on just promises from the Bible, you start revealing something to a world that is just invisible, and that's God. That's making an invisible God visible. You know, starting a Bible study in Magnolia Reserve by faith is, okay, kingdom of God is just going to be revealed there, you know? And I mean, I know other people are doing it too, but like, I don't know. I mean, if you talk to Robert, like, you know, Robert's just doing this by faith. And, and I just think that God, Robert and Deb, God's going to bless it. I just think it's the heart of God. And, and when we do it, when we do things like that, I would say prepare for impact. Because do you think the enemy of our souls is going to let us sit back? He's, he's just going to sit back while we're just making steps to make manifest an invisible kingdom in this world, the kingdom of God? No, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna stop. Um, our faith, by its very nature, must be tested and tried. The real trial of our faith is not that we find it difficult to trust God, and this is important. The real trial of our faith is not that we find it difficult to trust God, but that God's character must be proven as trustworthy in our own minds. Like that, it's not that okay. I have to trust God here. No, the, the real trial of faith is that, is that God's character will be proven trustworthy in our own minds. 1 Timothy 1, verse 19. What's the alternative? What's our alternative? I'm walking by faith. It's shipwreck. If you, read, if you read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, Paul says, like, he says this, hold faith. He says, hold on to it and a good conscience. 
by rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. What is Paul saying here is that if you and I start trying to look at our lives outside of faith in God, we're going to be a shipwreck. How many people do you know that walked with God and then just started looking at their life by sight? And they started making, they started analyzing and measuring their life by what they could see and what they could understand. And that results in bad decisions. They're like, you know what? I used to, I used to trust God. I used to, I used to go to church. And then this thing happened in my life. And I think that if we are not mixing faith with every event in our life, when something happens to you and I, and we're not mixing God's perspective, his, the way he looks at things, then what will happen is, is that we're going to be a shipwreck. Ever seen a shipwreck? It's crazy, you know? It's like it's, just, it's got a hole in it. I mean, it's not floating anymore. It's sinking. Um, Kylie, hopefully, is not... Kylie builds ships, right? You're an architect for ships, right? A ship architect. And she makes ships that don't sink. Uh, what? That's what you're paid for, right? Yeah, like, make sure she's got a bonus there because we don't want her frustrated making ships. Um, I just think that, like, if we just stop thinking by faith in our life, what's going to happen is that we're going to be like, what's the use? Throwing the towel, it's like, what's the use, you know? What is the use? Jeremiah, my wife was reading this, the, the book of Jeremiah recently, and she's just sharing with me, like, how Jeremiah was. Sometimes he just got really discouraged. And the beginning of Jeremiah's calling in Jeremiah chapter 1 was this incredible thing like, you shall pull down you know, kingdoms and nations will be rise and fall. And it's just this glorious calling in Jeremiah's life. But the rest of his life is like nothing by sight and like what was being said. It's all on the invisible level. I've heard it said this way, that before God can promote you, in the visible world, before God can promote you in the kingdom of God, God first will promote you and I in the invisible kingdom. Does that make sense? Like, remember when Paul, remember in the book of Acts, when these sons of Sceva tried to cast out demons um, from people by, by not even knowing Christ? And what did the demons say to the sons of Sceva? Paul we know, Jesus we know, but who are you? I think that there's a reputation, there's clout in the invisible kingdom when you and I just decide to make a decision by faith when no one's there to make sure that you're keeping the guidelines, when no one is there watching you, when no one is there telling you what to do. I think as a kid, as a teenager, uh, as, a, as an 11-year-old, um, when we can make a decision say, you know what, I want to follow God even when my parents aren't looking. You know, I want to follow God even when you know, my other friends are not looking. I want to open my Bible I remember as an 11-year-old discovering the book of Isaiah, just reading the book of Isaiah and just thinking, my gosh, all these promises. You know, having this sense of God's plan in my life. I want to finish with this. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. If you would look at that with me. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. I'm going to finish in just literally three to five minutes. And it says this about about Abraham, Romans 4, 16 through 18. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace. Do you know something? When you and I walk by faith, and I said this, uh, we said this last week, the grace of God is glorified and can be guaranteed to all his offspring. What was happening here was is that Abraham and Sarah couldn't have a kid. They couldn't have a child. And they had, God had given them a promise that your child 
will be will be your 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 descendants your your kids grandkids all of your descendants will be as as diverse and as many as uh, the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky and here's here's Abraham hearing his promise but he's out like 99 years old and Sarah's 99 and she can't have a baby and so here he is hearing this and the promise is that God's going to do it and you know what happens is that um, is that this promise this promise of having a child was not guaranteed by something that Abraham could do God waited until Abraham just was physically unable to have a child, and then God gives him a child. God has to wait until we physically, in our flesh, in our natural understanding, have no more understanding or any other way to produce anything. And then when we're there, when we're totally dead in every way, then God can do it, and God does it. And Abraham here is, in verse 16 and 17, is called the father of us all, the father of faith. And it says here, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in which he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. And I want to finish with that. We are in the business, not in the worshiping of faith or trying to put our emphasis on faith, but our walk is that when you and I walk in the promises of God, there are things that we are living in that don't exist yet. And what do I mean by that? God says to Abraham, you're going to have a son. And that son is going to be fruitful. And that does not exist yet. But when we live in the promise, we're calling those things which are not as though they were. Here's the practical application. When you and I decide to walk by faith and not by sight, we're looking at eternal things. We're looking at the promises. We're looking at the potential of what God can do. We're looking at the testimony of God in our life. And when we think that way, when we look at that, when we think that way, guess what happens? Guess what, guess what happens? Is that those things that are not yet there, we begin to see them come to pass. We see a team camp in Ukraine. We see a team that goes to Iraq. We see Iraqi disciples. We see, you know, we see God do things. <laughs> we do things. Hey, buddy. Can head back? Um, we see God do things. We, we see God do things that, you know, those things that are not as though they were. I want to live that way. And I like to like, I like to think it this way, that this time next year, there are going to be photographs on our refrigerator. There's going to be friends on Facebook that we don't know yet. And they're going to be our friends. They're going to be people that make a decision for Christ because you and I made a, made a dis- decision to walk by faith. Let's take steps of faith in our life and let's not underestimate it don't let the devil uh, mock your faith like, the, like Goliath mocked David with his, with his uh, slingshot. Don't let the devil mock you. Your simple faith um, confounds and confuse, confuses the enemy of our soul. Amen? So let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you, God, that, that we can trust you, that when we don't feel it, when there's nothing there, we can say, the Lord said so. And I'm going to obey by faith. I'm going to get up by faith and I'm going to take a step out and I'm going to uh, obey God because God loves these people. And when we do that, we make, a, we make room for God. We make a space for God. We make a place for God to move and to work. And so, Father, we just pray, Lord, for each family that's in this room. 
If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, just say yes to him today. Just let him forgive you of all of your sin and let him take you by the hand and lead you into this amazing life of faith. God, we just want to pray today, Lord, that for those of us that are in a place of decision or in a place of of question, Lord, that we would wait on you and that we would see you move and that we would let, as it says in James chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 and 3 through 6, that we would let patience be worked into our soul. And so, Father, we thank you for this day, God, that it's not based on us. It's not us trying to make faith great, but it's us just looking at you, the faithful one. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.